that, take your Bibles this morning, if you would, go with me to Romans chapter number 15, and I'll let you remain seated for just a moment, but I wanted to get started this morning with our series that we've been going through on treasures of the darkness, and I know that especially with what many are going through in these days, I love the fact that God has some treasures for us, even in times that we would consider to be darkness God is good all the time, and that's what this series is all about. Today, we look in the Word of God, and really the message is about the Word of God, and I've entitled it, The Patience and Comfort of the Scriptures. Now, of course, I know a lot of times there's, there's not a lot of comfort when it comes to families. I know it's a painful thing when families are divided. I've seen a lot of times, whether it's on a bumper sticker or a sign on the side of the road, for instance... Uh, I know that uh, one of the great rivalries is between Michigan and Ohio State. And boy, you talk about it, and, and sometimes there are people in the same house that are rooting for Michigan and people in the same house rooting for those Buckeyes, and there's a house divided. Of course, here in Florida, it could be the Gators and the Seminoles, a house divided. And of course, a lot of folks uh, experience difficulties, but the Bible says in Mark 3.25, if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It's so important that we're all on the same page. And when we talk about the same page, I'm talking this morning about the Word of God. I love it when you think about how it is hard to find anything as joyous as a family that is united in Christ. Uh, boy, I love it when, when mom and dad and the children all love the Lord and are all together. It reminds me here, if you have your Bibles there in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 6, look at the verse. The Bible says here that ye may with, notice, one mind and one mouth, notice the next two words, glorify God. See, everybody together. Listen, this morning, I think it's wonderful not only as a family, but even as a church family. As the Bible says there, with one mind... We all have the same mind, the mind of Christ, and with one mouth, what are we doing? We're glorifying God. See, listen, we all need to make sure that our lives are bringing great glory to the Lord, and that's what we're going to look at here this morning because it all begins with an attitude. Listen, this morning when you got up, how was your attitude? Boy, it's Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday. Boy, it's always difficult. I find when I talk to people that Sunday is probably the most difficult day for people to get up. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. But when I think about our attitude, our attitude should be that, listen, and I hope that this would not happen, but if the devil's going to get in, he's not going to get in through me. I, I want to make sure that I have the mind of Christ and I have a mouth that is glorifying God and, and notice with me this morning our text in, in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. That's interesting. The Bible says, But as it is written... The reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Wow, you look at those verses, and this morning I want to draw your attention to the very first word in Romans 15, in verse 1. What is the very first word in this chapter? The word is we. Now, can I remind you, if you have your Bible there, look back at chapter 14, and I want to show you a couple verses to help you understand who the we is. Look at verse number 8 of Romans 14. The Bible says, for whether we live, 
The Bible says we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Look at verse 13 of chapter 14. Let us, by the way, when you see those two words, let us in your Bible, many times it's imperative, it's a command from God. And the Bible says in verse 13, let us therefore judge one another, not judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now look in the same chapter, look down in verse number 19. Here's those two words again. Let us, therefore, follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So when I look at chapter 15, it's bringing us to the we, and clearly we see the word we here is plural. It's a plural pronoun. And what God is saying to us, we that live for Christ, the Bible tells us that God, with God's help, may we be strong, listen, not physically, but may we be strong in him. Our living hope, as we just heard about this morning. Well, how are we going to do that? Our attitude has to be one that would please the Lord. If we're going to be strong in him, then can I tell you what you and I need more than anything is what you're holding in your hands. We need God's word. Because the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is what gives us our strength. Listen, as you've maybe seen this, maybe on a church passing by sometime in your life, one week, W-E-E-K, without the Bible makes one week, W-E-A-K. We need the word of God to be strong in the Lord, to be able to face the challenges, and like many of us have here in recent days, and that is why when we see here, that if we're going to be strong in the Lord and we need the word of God, look at verse number four, what it says. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, there's the we again, through patience and comfort of the what? Of the scriptures might have hope. So many people today, so many of God's people today are living as if there is no hope. Uh, listen, honestly, folks, Jesus died for our sins. If you're saved today, then understand that your sins have been forgiven by an almighty God, that you have a home in heaven. And the Bible tells us that as we go through some of these times in our lives, that through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, that's why we need to be in our Bible. Because as we're in the Word of God, we find hope for our lives. There's nothing like the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures. Our loving God has recorded the Bible, as we call it, so that you and I can study it. It's for our benefit. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. Not some words, not maybe every other word, but every word of God is pure. The Bible says here in this verse, look at it. He, God, is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The word shield is, look, I, I think you understand, if you were living in old Bible times and, and the days of maybe nights and so on, where they would carry a shield into battle, what did that shield do? It protected them from the enemy. God is our shield. His word is our shield. The Bible tells us as we think about Put on the whole armor of God in the New Testament. And listen, I love how that every word of God is pure. And that's why it means, I don't know about you, but it means so much to me when I see this verse that says, we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You see, this morning my heart is encouraged as I look in the word of God. And by the way, we should appreciate all of the word of God. So many people today want to say, well, listen, we're living in the New Testament time, and therefore, we don't really spend much time. We don't read. We don't study the Old Testament. Listen, all of it was given for our learning. Uh, Brother Flynn wouldn't have had a Sunday school lesson this morning if it hadn't been for the Old Testament. See, we need to understand that God has given us all of his word 
so that we can benefit from it, so that we can profit from it, so that we might grow by it. And the Bible says, again, whatsoever things were written. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. And when I look in the Bible, and I love the, the miracle of the Word of God, what we have in the Bible, can I tell you, listen, it is not unrelated to what we are going through today. If I use the illustration, and I want to encourage you that if you couldn't make it today, come next week for, for some of our adult classes that we rolled out today. And Brother Flynn started talking about Esther, a young woman that uh, went before the king and really said, listen, if, if I perish, I perish. And how easy it was, I noticed in class this morning, for the class to begin to think about what was going on for the, with the nation of Israel and how God's hand was in that and how so easily that applies to what we're going through today in our lives. Listen, the Bible is applicable. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not, Paul writes, that you should be ignorant. How that, look at, the, look at this, talking about things written aforetime. That all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, notice that's a capital R, that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The Bible says, but with many of them. This is things that were written aforetime. Let's learn. Look at it. With many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our, notice, examples. God wants us to learn from this. He says to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. I love it when, listen, when somebody else makes the mistake, when somebody else goes through it, and listen, God is saying, I don't want you to go through what the children of Israel went through. God gives us examples, and we have the scriptures to help us, and God gives us his word so that we might have patience and comfort from the scriptures so that we might have hope. Well, notice how we see here the way that we learn. Again, you look at verse number four, in the beginning of that verse, it says this again, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Now, in the Bible, in the, Old, in the New Testament, there is much going on in the book of Acts. First century Christianity, the church was exploding. We talked about that on Wednesday night as we're going through Route 66, studying the books of the Bible. And the Bible records in Acts chapter number 8 where one of the men of God by the name of Philip who was in the city of Samaria, that the Holy Spirit of God redirected him to the desert. And as he went there, there was a man, a eunuch, the Bible describes him as, and he was coming away from the city, and he had gotten his hands on a portion of the Word of God. They didn't Back then, they didn't have a nice little Bible that you could carry in one hand like this. And he had gotten just a portion of the Word of God, and as he was reading it, the Bible directs Philip to this man. Look what the Bible says in Acts 8, verse 30, in your notes, Philip ran thither to him, and he heard him read the prophet Isaiah. That's Isaiah the prophet. And he asked this man that was in a chariot, he says these words, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, if I could put that into today's language, do you understand what you're reading? Do you have a clue what you're reading about? And notice his response. Of course, the eunuch says, well, if I could put it into words, I have, I have heard, I've read about someone that was wounded for our sins. And so this conversation continues. Now, you can find that as you look here in this same chapter, look at verse 32 of Acts 8. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. Now he read this, and he was thinking to himself, now who is the prophet writing about? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, again, things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, 
So if you go to Isaiah 53 and verse number 5, the Bible clearly says there in the same portion that this eunuch was reading that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You see, he's reading this. The eunuch had read it, but he did not understand it. You ever read the Bible and not understand what you're reading? Probably every hand would go up this morning. Many times that we're reading the Word of God, and just like this man, we don't understand. And so what did Philip do? Listen, Philip did what all of us should do. Philip began to explain. I love how the Bible says he began at the same place, and he preached unto him Jesus. Folks, that's what the world needs to hear. They need to hear more about him. They need to hear more about our living hope. And so what did Philip do? He explained how Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, that he, he lived on this earth without any sin, that he went to the cross, that he was condemned unjustly, that he had never committed one sin, but yet he died for our sins. He paid the sin debt for all of mankind. And he began to explain that to this man. And as he began to explain the word of God to this man, guess what happened? The man gained an understanding. Remember what Philip says? He says, do you understand what you're reading? And as Philip began to explain it, the man by the Holy Spirit of God began to help the man understand. Boy, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what. I attended church for 20 years of my life. I knew about God but I didn't know God. There were many things that I did not understand. Now, can I tell you that after being a Christian now for 35 years, I understand a whole lot more than I understood back then 35 years ago, but there are many things I still do not understand. They say, people say, well, you're a pastor. Yes, listen, I've never met anyone that understands everything from the Word of God. That's why we need to constantly be studying the Word of God because the Spirit of God helps us to understand. Listen, when you read stories in the Bible, for instance, Noah and the ark, many times we read that story and we think to ourselves, well, you know, that was just a story about an old man that spent about 120 years building a huge boat, you know, and putting a bunch of animals on board. Can I tell you it's more than the story of an old man that for 120 years built a boat? It's a story of God's redemption for all of mankind. It's a story about a man that believed God, that had faith in God, that put his trust in God. It was a story about a man, listen, that was saved by grace. The Bible tells us that God shut the door, that God was the one that sealed the door so that water did not get in. Can I remind you what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3? not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Well, how does he do that? Here it is. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You read in the Old Testament about those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Boy, people just don't name their kids like that anymore, do they? I mean, just, just once, I'd like some little boy to walk through the door and say, uh, say, what's your name? And he'll say, Shad. I say, Shad, that sounds familiar. Shadrach. Yeah, that's a great name, you know. But you read this story about how these three Hebrew boys, that they defied the king, and they were thrown into a furnace that was heated seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. And there was a fourth one in the fire, likened unto the Son of God. Boy, you read that story. Can I tell you that it's, it's more than just three Hebrew boys that were thrown into a fiery furnace. It's a story where they did what God wanted them to do, no matter what the cost would be. Hey, listen, every time I read that story, you know what it does? It just encourages me that no matter what happens in my life, God will take care of me. See, I love the stories of the Bible, the things that were written aforetime, and, and a story here how God takes care of them. 
Look at Genesis 28, verse 15. Love this verse. Behold, I am with thee. God says, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee. We've seen that in the New Testament, I don't know how many times. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But here it is in Genesis 28. He says, I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. See, the way we learn our Bibles, when I was, when I was teaching in the Bible college for many years, we, uh, there's always a danger when you're in Bible college because your textbook for every class is the Bible. And oftentimes, like many of us as Christians, we tend to take the Bible for granted. You know what happens? The Bible just becomes another book. So every one of those courses that students take, they are required to read maybe portions or a book or whatever from their Bible. That's part of their requirements for that particular class. So like last Wednesday night, I taught on the book of Acts and I was telling somebody afterwards, because I taught that class in the college, I think I taught it 28 times in 12 years, all the way through that book. And I would tell the students, make sure you're reading, and I, I think I told them they had to read through the book of Acts three times in one semester. So what you had to do was you had to figure out how many chapters I needed to read. Now, guess what? That wasn't the only class that they had to take when they were in the college. They might have six or seven or five other classes. So they had reading in every one of those classes. So from time to time, what I would do at the end of the semester is I would make them sign. Now, again, it was all a matter of trust because I can't follow them around. But I would ask them, I would say, now, you need to check off here, yes or no, have you read your Bible? And many times they would check off yes. Occasionally I'd get an honest student that would, that would, that would put a note next to it. They wouldn't check yes, wouldn't check no. They'd say, I read through two times, and the third time through, I only got to chapter 14. Well, the answer would be no. <laughs> and so, yes, the other day, I was, in my, I, I was at home, I was in the garage, I was going through some boxes that I, that I really haven't gone through, and I'm, I'm trying to consolidate, get rid of some things, and my wife is like, please do that, and I'm trying to go through some things. And, I, and I, I was going through, in, in a pile of papers, a note fell out, and it was from one of my former students. And the note was a heartfelt note basically explaining to me that when she checked off that she had read her Bible, she said that she read what was required for the course, and so she passed the class. But here it was three years later. She was now married. She was in ministry. She had one child, but God began to deal with her that she lied about reading her Bible. Now, I would have never known. I would have never known it was between her and the Lord. But I'll tell you this, it meant the world to me that she took the time to get right with God and then she tried to get right with others that maybe she had wronged, and she felt that she had wronged me because she lied to me about doing her reading. So what she said in that letter, like so many of the college students would say, is she said, I said that I read, but really what I did was I skimmed. Do y'all understand the word skim? See, I don't think the word skim should go with the word milk. To me, vitamin D is the only way to go, you know. I mean, they got this half percent stuff now. It's like water, white water is what it is. But do you know what it means when you skim your Bible and then say, Lord, I read my devotions today. Let me ask you, when you skim, do you get anything out of it? The answer is no. As a matter of fact, we see the words and as soon as we see them, they're there and they're gone. They mean absolutely nothing to us. We need to make sure that we're not just skimming the surface of the Word of God. But listen, can I ask you, ask God to give you an understanding of what you're reading. That's one of the reasons the Lord put on my heart to, to go through the 66 books on Wednesday night so that 
hopefully, you know, listen, I know many people don't get the training and don't get the background. I think it's important that we understand the book that we're reading from, a little bit about the book and a little bit about how the book's put together, who the book was written to, where the book was written from, some of the main emphasis in that book, how Jesus is seen in that particular book. Why? Because we want to understand the Word of God. Why? Because when you understand the Bible, you understand God. See, look what the Bible says here in Proverbs, and I love these couple of verses here. Proverbs 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Who's the my? Who's my? God says, look, look at it again. Do not decline from the words of my mouth, is what God says. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her. It's talking about the Bible, the words of God. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get what? Understanding. See, you want to understand the word of God. Get into the Bible. Understand what God has. He says he'll give you wisdom. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thee to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. Shall she deliver to thee? Hey, listen, when's the last time you hugged your Bible? When's the last time you fell in love with the Bible? Listen, this is God's words this morning. And understand, God wants to speak to you. And he has preserved his word so that we can read it and we can understand it. Remember what Philip said to the eunuch? Do you understand what you're reading? Now, I'm not going to ask. Did you even read your Bible today? You see, much less you have to read it to understand it. And as we read it, we need to make sure we do understand what we're reading. The Bible says here again that we need to understand what reading it, what the Word of God is. Look what Job said, and I think this is a great verse, Job 27, 27. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Well, how do we learn what is evil and what is not from the Word of God? And God says, look, make sure that you understand what is bad for your life. You learn that from the Word of God. You understand that as you study the Word of God. And as Christians, we must learn and we must gain spiritual understanding from the Scriptures. And as we study the Word of God and God gives us understanding, then here's what's going to happen is, it's going to help me as a Christian to decide what the Lord desires for my life. See, as I read, oftentimes we, we, we speak of it in these terms, to know what the will of God is for your life. A lot of times young people, they wonder, what is God's will for my life? Somebody thinks that it's just something written down somewhere you know how you find out what God's will for your life is? By reading the Word of God. By understanding what God desires for your life. So what have you learned in your life as a Christian as you read and study the Word of God? Are you understanding what God has given to you aforetime? And as we read it, and as God gives us understanding by His Spirit, here's what we need to do. We need to share it with others. Share the lessons that other people have taught us. Certainly, listen, I, I've been around some preachers over the years, and, and I, many, many preachers, as they get up in years, they've spent so much time in the Word of God, but they've also spent so much time devotionally. And I love many times I've had an opportunity. I remember when I was with a, a, a preacher that finally went home to be with the Lord after many, many years, pastor for, for over 50-some years, uh, Dr. Bobby Robertson. But Dr. Bobby Robertson, when, when he came and he spoke to us, I remember that he just, he spoke out of what I call overflow. Just a heart full of things that God had shown him. Things that he had learned. That God gave him understanding. So when I look at the scriptures this morning, listen, it's important that we understand the way that we learn. You think about it, so many people today that they spend so much time on the internet. They spend so much time on social media. They spend so much time reading books written by man. Hey, folks, 
Why don't we get to the book that was written by God? It'll help us to grow as Christians. See, that's the way we learn. But notice, I also see it here the way that we should also live. Because if you go back to verse number 4 of Romans 15, the Bible says in the end of that verse, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So when I think about how we should live, there are certain things that should characterize how we live. And two things mentioned here are patience and comfort of the Scriptures. Notice, first of all, that we live by patience. Now, the word patience is probably somewhat what you would think it would be. In a biblical sense, patience means, a look at this, a cheerful steadfastness. I see a lot of people, Christians nowadays, who are just kind of hunkering down, just kind of, listen, all this that's going on, I'm just going to stay home and and I'm just going to kind of hibernate till the Lord comes back. No, the Bible says that with patience and comfort of the Scriptures, patience means a cheerful, steadfast waiting for. It means to continue. Now, the Bible tells us that we need to occupy until I come. We need to make sure that we're doing it in a cheerful way. It means that our attitude towards God is right, that we're trusting the Lord because we're waiting on Him. It's trusting Him instead of taking matters into our own hands. Look what it says in Exodus 14, 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Folks, if we're going through life kind of having to feel our way and fight our way through our lives, then look, we are not, as some would say, faithing God, and we are not trusting God. We shouldn't have to go through life as Christians uh, trying to fight our way through, because the Bible says the Lord shall fight for you. Our lives should be characterized by the patience and the comfort of the scriptures. Uh, at the beginning of this year, we went through an extensive study of the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph found himself in the pit. Joseph found himself in the prison. What was Joseph doing when he was in the prison? I'll tell you what he was doing. He was patiently waiting on the Lord. He was just waiting for God's timing while he was there. He learned the patience and the comfort of the scriptures. He trusted God. And folks, in your life and mine, we are either going to live our lives by faith or we're going to live our lives by force. That's the only two ways that we can live. And honestly, it, it is not right for us to be patient. In other words, patiently waiting on the Lord, but yet that we are miserable. We ought to, as it says here by definition, we ought to be cheerfully waiting on the Lord. We ought to be anticipating, continuing for the Lord. And if patience has to do, and it does, it has everything to do with our attitude towards God. If it does have to do with our attitude towards God, then what comfort is, is comfort is God's answer to our attitude. Let me say that again. If patience is our attitude towards God, then what comfort is, is God's answer to our patience. See, we live by patience, but notice we also live by the comfort of the scriptures. The word comfort means a calling near, a refreshment. Kind of interesting, this word comfort, when you talk about the Holy Spirit of God, he is the paraclete. This particular word comfort is paraclesis. They come from the same root word. As the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, as we read the scriptures to give us comfort, notice here that not only the Holy Spirit, but the scriptures give us comfort. The scriptures come near us. God comes to us, and as we read the scriptures, how about Psalm 23 we're studying on Sunday nights? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. See, I, I find great comfort. God comes to us in his word. He gives us peace as we trust him. Romans 15, 13, in this chapter, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus himself, when he was on this earth, he left us a great example by the way that Jesus responded to all that he went through. 1 Peter 2, 23, who when he was reviled, the Bible says he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. 
but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Did, listen, how many times do we want to retaliate? We want to get even with somebody. And yet, let's follow his example. What was written about Jesus aforetime so that we can learn ourselves. Jesus committed himself to his Father. And what should we do? We too should commit ourselves to God and let God handle things. Listen, it is not the problems that we deal with that destroy us. It is our unwillingness or our inability to respond to those problems properly. Somebody said life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you and I respond to what happens to us. For we are known by our reactions, how we respond to things. See, the way we learn is how? By asking the Holy Spirit of God to give us understanding. See, the, listen, that eunuch, he didn't understand what he was reading. And the Holy Spirit knew that. So what did the Holy Spirit do? Directed Philip to go to that man. And see, that's how we learn. The way we should live is how? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, we should live by patience and comfort of the scriptures. But then notice also the way we look. Now, I'm not talking this morning about your appearance, all right? So you can just rest at that. Uh, a lot of times people want to ask about certain things. And, and listen, I, I, that's a, maybe a different topic. But I'll tell you this that I do think, on a side note, I think it's important how Christians look. I don't think that a Christian ought to look like the world because we are not of this world. Our, our home is not this world. We're just passing through. But when I say here in this message this morning from Romans chapter 15, how we look, I'm talking about how we view things, how we look at things. It's oftentimes, look here, talk, we talk many times about our perception of things. Can I tell you this morning as I stand here, having the privilege to stand here, being accountable to God, that it's not this morning what I think. The only thing that matters is what thus saith the Lord. How we look at things. And when we look at things from God's way, listen, we need to make sure we're understanding what the Lord would have for us to understand from the Word of God. We should be able to look at things with hope. Look what the Bible says in this chapter in verse number 8. The Bible says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, notice, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So if you look here, you take the time, you go back to the Old Testament, you see all of those promises that God made to the nation of Israel. By the way, not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. Everything that God has promised has either already been fulfilled or it will be fulfilled yet in the future. When I look at this verse, verse number 8, I realize that every promise of God has been confirmed. The Bible says right here, in Christ, Jesus is the answer to every promise that God has given. And God keeps all of his promises. So when you think about what the Bible is saying here, that we can have hope. And I know that a lot of people today are looking for some hope. Let's look back in this chapter and see some of those things that God gave to us aforetime that will give us hope. All right, everybody with me right here in Romans chapter 15. Notice, first of all, I see here in verse number 9, look at the Bible says, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Notice that phrase, as it is written... For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Now, as Paul is writing that, what is he doing? He's quoting something that was written aforetime. Notice in your notes, he was quoting Psalm 18, verse 49. And notice how this verse is very much like what we just read in verse number 9 of Romans 15, where the Bible says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Notice in verse number 10 of Romans 15, the Bible says, And again, he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. As Paul writes verse 10, he's quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. 
When you go to Romans, look at it again, chapter 15, verse 11. Notice the two words, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Well, here in this verse, he is quoting from before Psalm 117, verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people. The, the, the Romans uses the word loud, which is to praise God. If you look at verse number 12, notice the first two words. And again, and this one says, Isaiah, or Isaiah saith, uh, notice here, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles trust. Well, Paul there in verse number 12, he is quoting Isaiah 11, verse number 10. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Did you see what I saw as we look at just verse 9, 10, 11, and 12? Four times in four verses, God brings up things that were written aforetime. Now look at the very next verse, verse 13. Notice the very first word, now. Now the God of what? The God of hope, look at this, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, believing what? The things that were written aforetime, that they were written for our learning. The Bible says here, through the power of the Holy Ghost. So when I see this, and God mentions this matter of abounding, to abound means to have more than necessary. Now don't, don't look here, stay with me for just a moment. The attitude here, as we think about the world we live in today, the world itself, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the promises of God, the world is skeptical. If we're not careful as Christians, we too can develop that same attitude. We can become skeptical when it comes to the things of God. We, we look, we can have hope, as it says here, abounding. We can have hope running over everywhere. Every day of our lives, no matter what's happened at our work, no matter what's happened in our lives, no matter what's going on with our health, no matter what's going on with the economy, no matter who's in the White Office, uh, white, uh, the White House, no matter what's going on in this world, understand that according to the Word of God, we can have hope running over. That's the attitude that every one of us as Christians should have. Do you know that everything is contagious? Right? Everybody's wearing masks now. Everybody's afraid to go here, go there. Do you know that having hope, if you have hope today, hope is contagious? See, this world needs to see Christians who have hope. Well, where do we get hope from? From the patience and the comfort of the scriptures. As we read the word of God, it gives us hope. That's why we need to dig deep in the word of God. That's why we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to, through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, we, that we might have hope. Look, we will never look at things in the right way without being filled our lives with the Word of God. You can't be a hopeful person and not be a Bible-filled person. We've got to have the Word of God in our lives. It's so very important. If you look in your Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter number 6, I want you to notice here this morning, if you understand Acts chapter number 6, it's in the first century there were People being saved, and of course it was in the days of Saul of Tarsus. Saul eventually got saved. He became Paul the Apostle. But in Acts chapter number 6, the Bible talks about how there were some things going on. And the Bible begins this chapter, chapter 6, where it says that there was a murmuring of the Grecians because of the neglect of the widows. I just want to say, just even the word murmur just doesn't even carry a positive connotation. There was an undertow, kind of a, a people talking behind people and complaining and griping. Hey, listen, those things ought not to be. And there was, there was definitely some things happening here, and something needed to change. Because if something did not change, then the whole thing was going to come apart. When I talk about the whole thing, I'm talking about the church, Bible, Christianity, Something needed to be done. So what was the solution? We'll look at it in verse number four. Here's what the men of God said. 
We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of what? Of the Word. Hey, listen, we don't doubt, we don't we know there's an issue here. We know that the widows need to be taken care of, and the Bible says they appointed some to take care of that matter. But they said, listen, the most important thing for us is to pray to God and to get in the Word of God, not just here and there, not skim the Word of God, but continually immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We wonder why our lives oftentimes are so weak and we don't have hope because we don't understand the patience and the comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. See, God allows things. He allowed it here in Acts chapter number 6. He allows things in our lives to, yes, sometimes go wrong, but he does that for a purpose. And oftentimes, God's purpose is he's trying to get us, you and I both, to see our need to get into his word and to spend time praying to him. Look, in the worst of storms, those who have an understanding of the word of God will be a hopeful person. I've seen it many times, people going through such bad storms in their lives, but yet I see hope. When you get to the end of the book of Acts, They're going through a storm. They haven't eaten for two weeks. They hadn't seen the sun. And Paul's standing there with such hope. How can you have hope in a storm? Because you are filled with the word of God. Because your hope is in the Lord. Look in Acts 27 there in your notes. As Paul says on that fateful day, standing there, he says, I exhort you, be of good cheer. He says, for there shall not be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Hey, look. You can get another ship. He says, I'm telling you right now, God has told me no one is going to pass away. He says, there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. Hey, listen, remember what I said? If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. God says, Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. You're going to stand before Caesar. And the Bible says, God hath given thee All them. Notice, not one person was lost. God says, all of you. You read the end of the book of Acts. Every last one of them made it safely to the shore. Notice it says, wherefore, sirs, Paul says, be of good cheer. I love these words. For I believe God. Can you say that this morning? Do you have hope in the Lord? Notice that it shall be even as it was told me. Hey, listen. The angel of God hasn't spoken to you and I, but God can speak to us through his word every day. And can I tell you that when I read it, that everything God has said is true, every word of God is pure, and that if God said it, I believe it, and even if I don't believe it, it's still true. And as we read the word of God, listen, we need that patience, and we need the comfort that the scriptures bring to us, because that's what gives us hope. The Bible is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, the the Christian's character. God is its grand subject. Our good is its design. The glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Hey, listen, can I just ask you, or maybe God is asking us, let's get back to the book. Let's get back to the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Can I tell you this morning, many songs the children sing, 
And they ought to mean just as much to us as they mean to any three, four, five-year-old. How much do you value the Word of God? I want to challenge you this morning. Not for me. Don't do it because I'm pressuring you. I wonder this morning, let's stand to our feet as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you bring the copy of God's Word that you have this morning and come to the Lord and get on your face and say, God, I'm asking you to help me to get in the Bible more in the coming days than I ever have in my life. Would you come this morning and bring your Bible with you? The altar's open this morning. Say, look, God, I love the Bible because every time I read it, I learn more about you. Maybe you want to come this morning and say, well, I don't even know if I know Christ as my Savior. We'd love to take a copy of God's Word and show you how you can know Christ as your Savior. Listen, remember I told you, and I've heard this saying so many times, Bible college is the easiest place to backslide. Can I tell you another good place to backslide? Church. The Bible becomes just another book. It's that book that we have sitting at home, and we pick it up on the way out the door on Sunday to church. Oh, we have it in our hands during the service. As soon as we get home, we put it back down until next Sunday. Some of us ought to say, God, I don't want your book, the Bible, to just be just another book that I have. I recognize this is you speaking to me. If you need to be saved this morning, why don't you come? Let us help you with that matter. Treasures. You see, yes, we're living in dark days. But you know what God's given us to make it through the darkness? The treasure that he's given us? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Well, I wouldn't know what to do, where to go, if I didn't have the word of God. And I know in my heart, as a Christian, not as a pastor, I want to understand God's word. 